With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Chance for Gabby and Edie, yeah! This comments! Derby in front! Hello and welcome for the last time in 2021 to Steve Bloomer's watching the Derby County podcast. What a 12 months it's been for the rounds. A few highs, far too many lows, but the year finished with a trio of massive wins to keep smiles on faces as we go into what could be a club defining year in 2022. Joining me, Chris Parsons, to cast a critical eye over Derby County's last two games of 2021. Uh, Richard Kutcher, how's your festive period been, man? Well, it's just got one hell of a lot better, Chris, uh, watching those three wins in a row. Yeah, it actually has been a pretty shitty Christmas. I was in isolation until yesterday. So Christmas Day was yesterday with uh, my extended family. But yeah, made a hell of a lot better for for staying up and watching uh, watching that glorious away win at the uh, Bet365 Stadium. Damn right. And it's a belated Christmas present for SBW listeners because back by popular demand, it's uh, Ollie Wright from the Derby County blog. Season's greetings, mate. How's your Christmas? It's been beautiful. It's an absolutely fantastic thanks. And um, yeah, the the way that Derby have performed in in the last uh, what week or so, phenomenal. Um, if you told me we'd take nine points from, from these three fixtures, I'd have told you you need your head examining. It's just been an absolute... I mean, tonight was just superb. So I've, I'm just buzzing, absolutely buzzing. Anything's possible now, lads. Anything is possible. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My scepticism, you know, is, is out the window. Just, you know, it's happening, lads. It's happening. Just believe. So Ollie's been on a sherry. That, that's uh, <laughs> we clear about that from the outset. Um, well, yeah, we are recording this. Literally seconds after the end of uh, Derby, Derby's magnificent 2-1 win away at Stoke, which we'll come on to in a second. But of course, you know by now that Steve Bloomer's washing is partnered for the season with our friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. And I think it's fair to say a few of us might be raising a glass to that great win tonight. Coach, it's, it's one of the the first psychological milestones we've reached, really. One of those micro-targets um, has been achieved. We're into double figures for the season. It's happened. Uh, so however this season ends up, we're going down fighting, aren't we? Oh, we absolutely are going down fighting. I mean, I'm talking about beer. I've just opened, unfortunately, to our friends at Derby Brewery, not a Derby Brewing beer. I opened a Stroud Brewery beer, which is a light organic lager. And that performance was neither light. It was neither organic, but it was lull. And it was absolutely fantastic. And the, the fight from these lads is brilliant. The fight from the, for the players and the squad has been there all season, to be honest. But I tell you what, and it was one of our patrons, Tom Oliver, just mentioned it on the on our Discord. The, the two goals we scored tonight were both really good 
goals. Obviously, the second goal, Ravel intercepted, then played a nice ball, delayed the pass to Kazim, great finish. And, and the first goal that, you know, we saw something from Josiak, which we, we've been crying out for in terms of that final product and a great run from Plange to finish. So the fight was there, but when we needed it, the quality in the final third was there. And we're really going to need to continue to match up those two elements uh, the rest of the season to give ourselves a chance. But I know a lot of people have been saying it all year. We love this team. It's a, it's a mixed match of of academy youngsters, many of them very, very promising youngsters. And t- to be quite honest, either journeymen or, or players very much towards the end of their career. And the way that Wayne Rooney and the coaching staff have knitted them together have given a team to be proud of. A, a team probably I've not been proud of since since the, uh, the 2014 season. So, and, and that's saying something considering the predicament we're in. It's just uh, a very very uplifting moment actually to support Derby on the pitch um, which I didn't think we'd be saying at the start of the season and and the fact we've now seen some real quality goals is just uh, real icing on the cake yeah I mean I, I, I just tweeted this out on full time Ollie but the first time we've scored two away from home this season as I said into double figures for points our first double over a team after beating Stoke at home 2-1 and a third win on the spin yeah. as I say regardless of what happens it felt big tonight didn't it Really did, yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, as you say, the away record has been what's holding us back because actually the home form has been really good. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you guys um, earlier. You know, I, I, I don't think I've you know seen us lose in the home things I've been to this season. And actually, we're probably, I think, in the top ten for home form. It's just the fact that the away form just hasn't happened. So to pick up a result like we did tonight, and it was just the fact that it was thoroughly merited. There was no, I mean, okay, the West Brom game bit scrappy at times and we probably rode our luck a little bit um but tonight there was no denying it we deserved to win we thoroughly merited the win stoke were i believe eight or something like that you know kind of one of the top teams we went there and they never ever looked better than us at any point i think i'm right in saying we outshot them i think they only had one shot on target in the entire game i can't remember all sort of having anything to do of, of any, I mean, possibly, I think there was one cross in that maybe he had to had to deal with, and obviously, in scored a sharp goal. But that that goal came completely out of the blue. There was never any pressure on Derby really, um, and I remember I, I remember feeling like at a certain point I just felt nervous because it was only one nil, you know, and you never know what might happen when it's only one nil. But it wasn't as if Stoke actually deserved anything out of that game. We we deserved that. And there was a little and what I liked as well actually is I know we had a few players out of COVID and stuff, but with with a few coming back, you suddenly think, you know what, we've actually got a few options in different positions and also we can play different formations. There are some selection issues for Rooney at the moment, which is great because at certain points you kind of thought there's only one player for that position, whereas now you feel like there are actually viable options. Um, and as as Coach mentioned, it's you know partly due to academy youngsters stepping up, and you know Luke Plange today. I mean, I was surprised he got the nod ahead of Kazim Richards, if I'm honest, and you know I was a little bit grumpy about it because I thought I wanted to see Kazim start the game, if I'm being truthful. But what a goal! You know, superb finish, proper proper strikers finish great run gives you a little bit of athleticism and when you look at the, the front four tonight they're all decent age athletic quick and and a little bit of quality in there as well so yeah it was things are just looking well up and obviously you know who knows what the new year holds it could be anything but we just got to enjoy this moment because th- that was a cracking cracking win tonight uh, I'm very proud of the players and, and, and the manager as well and the staff for what they've done. It was an excellent, excellent performance tonight. 
Yeah, really pleased for all the fans who went. I think it was the best part of 3,000 who, who who made the journey. And I've said several times before just how staggered and, and amazed I am by the quality of, of our support this season in the circumstances. Um, but yeah, seventh win of the season in the league. They've all been by the odd goal and four of them have been one nils. Kutch, if we are going to pull off the unthinkable... And it's 11 away from Reading, who we play the first game in uh, 2022, playing them in a few days' time. If we are going to pull it off, do you get the feeling we are sort of going to shit out our way to safety, as it were? Because we don't really have the quality to, to blow teams away, do we? Even though without the points deduction, we'd be, on my latest count, 13th, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think we're not we're not blowing teams away regularly and, and we didn't blow Stoke away tonight, but we were more than good value for the win. I mean, we had four shots on target to their one. We had 10 shots to their seven. They had a little bit more possession than us. We had more corners, uh, same amount of corners, sorry, and they committed a lot more fouls than we did. So we were... We were dominant tonight. We were full value for the win. I think probably 2-0 would have been actually a more accurate result. Someone offers a good finish from from a corner, but we're quite unlucky not to clear a corner as we've been good defending set pieces this season. I mean, the the fight's there. I think if, and we'll we'll probably come on to this later or it'll be referenced throughout the pod, but, you know, if we can sort the ownership out before any kind of fire sale is necessary in January, then there is, I think there's still more to come from that team going forward. As, as, as Ollie said, there are actually some decent options now appearing around the pitch. Josvac is playing Benjamin has played for quite a while. Lawrence is in decent form this season. Kazim is getting back to full fitness and looking a threat. Plange is suddenly, we've got another striker out of nowhere. Jason Knight obviously is, is looking good like Jason Knight does. And Max Bird seems to get better every game still, in my opinion. So if you keep hold of that squad, then you can see us getting a little bit more clinical going forward. I think actually, although we've been brilliant defensive this season, you know, can... Davis, Jagielka, Stearman, you know, really survive. They they show no signs of of struggling or, or breaking down. But we've got to remember that they're all the wrong stuff, the wrong side and beyond the thirty um, and almost forty in some cases. So you kind of you kind of push your luck a little bit with the back line. But Fozzie looks like a player reborn. Uh, Burns back in good form again. Evasele was fantastic when he came on tonight. Still frustrating in parts. Um, I thought Ravel Morrison, although he, he was brilliant for the assists, obviously had a couple of really poor game management moments in the last kind of 10 minutes, uh, which was really disappointing. But you know, let's not dwell on that because it was such a great win tonight. So there is, I think there's still more to come for us going forward and we'll have to get more clinical, I think, to, to stand any chance because it's still a big, big ask. But... You know, it is the hope that kills you in all those cliches, but there is, gen- I think there is actually hope back again, which if you asked me that even after the Blackpool game, probably even after the West Brom game, I probably would have said there isn't. But, you know, if, if you're looking at it, are we five points better than Barnsley from here? Yes, we are. Are we, I think, 10 points better than uh, Peterborough from here? I think we probably could be. Are we 12 points better than Reading from here? Well, you win on we win on Monday. Are we nine points better than Reading? Um, and I think if you add up our points, uh, we've been deducted. We actually would be already those points better than those those teams. So there is actual hope, which is mad to say. But I think you know it's imperative we we get a buyer. We can hold at least hold on to players, if not sign anyone. Hold on to players and extend some contracts like Jaggy Elkers in, in January. It gives us a chance now. I think there is actually something to fight for. Ollie, we did, uh, you know, we joked about it at the start of this podcast, but when you were last on with us in the, uh, when the administration was just announced, we, we just completely uh, t- rejected the idea that Derby could possibly stay up with the 21 points. Um, and I think even then you were, we were just talking about how if we do go down, 
we're going to go down fighting. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm reluctant to really, you know, really commit myself really before we play Reading because that is such a big game, isn't it? That is so massive. But if, if we get something from that, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's on, but all I'm going to ask you with, all I'm going to put to you is just something that I, I think I saw someone mention that I've seen a few people say that, look, if we get to within about 10 points or so of 21st, by the time Bielik is back, and I know there's a lot of ifs and buts, we've talked about it before, will he come back the same player? How long will it take him to get up to speed? Is it on? Is it possible? I mean, see, after the West Brom game, I was I could see people starting to get giddy, and I did I did some of my stato maths, and I was saying, look, guys, you know, at that point it was we needed I think something like oh thirty nine points or something like that, like that to have a realistic chance. So now that's down to thirty six. So you're still looking at thirty six points from twenty two games. So you're looking at upper playoff form. I mean, you you do that you know, work that out. You you're looking at what. 10, so that's 10 wins maybe in six draws from 22. So your, your, your lives, if you see what I mean, your, your amount of chances to, you know, that you can miss is not high. You know, we're going to have to be exceptional, really, really strong all the way through to the end of the season. This is a brilliant run, but it's only all it's done is hoisted us back into double figures. You know, it's, we're so, we are, we were so far behind. It was untrue. So yeah, I mean, we're going to have to be absolutely outstanding and it would be one of the best football stories in what i don't know ever i think i'm gonna well, say probably, yeah absolutely <laughs> I mean, let's call it for what it is you know yeah it would be impre- i'm pretty sure i'm right in saying it would be completely unprecedented in english football for a club to be dot 21 and not go down so yeah i mean if anyone can do it we can do it but you know i mean it's, it's exciting it's just nice it's just nice to actually feel happy as a derby county fan because let's let's have it right you know i've still got ptsd from last season um you know it was horrendous and so to be you know enjoying what we what we what we're seeing because of the you know my old man would have always called the endeavor and that's what it is you know the way that we kind of defend our box it's great you know there's so many bodies on the line you know it's it's just there's just full commitment from the players and you know they could quite easily have been excused for just kind of not really being not really caring sort of touch, touched on it earlier though there's so many contracts running out these players probably don't know if they're gonna to have to be sold in a few weeks and they're still just out there just giving it everything and like they're not playing like guys whose eyes are on the door they're not playing like guys who, who don't believe it's just one one little target at a time 10 points on the board that's mission one next one is pick off Barnsley and just take it from there but yeah like like I think coach said we we do need that off-field stability if we can get off-field stability in relatively soon um then that's that's the biggest win of this season anyway I think if we can pull off mission impossible it'll be written about for years to come but if we don't but we get you know, the ownership transition sorted out and we go down in an orderly fashion, having sort of shown ourselves to to be relatively competitive and, and maybe even keep hold of some of the better youngsters. It's that, That's a win. I think I, I definitely agree. You know, when Oli breaks it down as, you know, from here on in, it's kind of upper playoff form needed to, to get out of it. It sounds completely, obviously, unrealistic, completely unachievable because of the, the the state of the squad as, as well as they've battled and as well as they've done uh, surpassing expectations so far this season. But if you break it down another way, I said to you boys before the start of the evening, before the match started, 
all you need actually is if you can put five or six runs, uh, five or six wins together in like a yeah in an eight or nine game period. So if you could extend this three match in a row run to to four or five or to six, then that average just comes down. And the way to think about it is the way that cricketers in in short form cricket target um, when they've got big targets in front of them with only twenty balls. Is it's like well actually how can we if we hit yeah, if we've got 20 balls left, but five of them, we, if we can hit sixes with five of them, it brings the run down significantly. So that's kind of how I think the players will be looking at it. So for me, actually, I feel like this actually kind of makes or breaks the season. Can you make this three wins in a row, uh, seven wins out of eight or or eight wins out of 10 or, or six in a row? Because suddenly that average you need points per game comes down quite significantly if you put a run like that together. So yeah, I know Rooney obviously puts up, I think on the training ground and uh, in the dressing room, the kind of the table with the points is 21 points added back in. But if they can break it down, extend this run and break it down into smaller targets, then I really do think that suddenly if, if that run, can, if we can continue good form throughout January, keep hold of the players, then the, the points per game will actually drastically come come right down. Yeah, well, Ollie, let's talk about CKR, the king, you wait 22 games for Colin Gazin Richards to score a goal and then two turn up in, in back-to-back games. It, absolutely mad. But he he got the winner today, took it incredibly well from a from a, a break from Ravel Morrison who sort of slips him in. We thought he'd overplayed it and he did have the chance to to like bang it first time or or not cut inside. But the little feint inside then the left-footed finish, well, I think he even nutmegged a Stoke defender for good measure. I mean, he certainly, he's hardly been prolific this season, but he certainly took it like a season 20-goal-a-season striker, didn't he? Well, he's back, he's back. I mean, obviously, you know, it's easy to, easy to forget he had a really bad injury at the start of the season. And he, when he did come back, he was quite a long way ahead of schedule from what we'd been told he originally he would could expect him to be out for. But to me, I mean, he's our, he's our talisman, you know, and I want him in the team you know, as much as possible, really. Um, I just think, I just think his quality, I mean, it was like the goal today was was kind of Chris Martin-esque. It reminded me of Martin, you know, where he controlled it in the box and just shifted it and buried it. <laughs> and then the one, but to be fair, and I've said this before to anyone who listened, really, I think we, it's easy to underappreciate how good the finish was for the winning goal against West Brom because when he picks that up, He's what, 25 yards out. And there's a lot of things that could happen that don't involve him just burying it first time. But he's a striker of the ball. His striking of the ball is quality. And I know he can't run, but that doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, Chris Martin proved that. I think as long as you've got mobility around him, and obviously we played 4-2-3-1 tonight. So, you know, if you can play maybe Lawrence off him, uh, or plunge off him, uh, you know, and have have runners who are prepared to get up alongside him and past him, then yeah, let's get him in the team as much as, as humanly possible. I think if he is, if he's fully fit, to me, he should be starting as often as possible. Yeah, Kutch, two wins in four days and three on the spin overall. And it was, uh, yeah, a single goal win over West Brom, Promotion chasing West Brom at uh, Pride Park on the 27th. Sort of similar games, really, in that they're both quite attritional, both not a huge amount of free-flowing football in either game, really. Both quite physical, both quite intense, both really fast at times. Which of those two games do you feel like was the more impressive performance? I think tonight was the more impressive performance. No, West Brom are obviously a better team than Stoke, but I thought this, this, the West Brom game really was, it was a tough watch. 
Um, it really, really was a tough watch. It reminded me of quite a lot of games we had last season behind closed doors, things about things like the Wickham games. I mean, that West, we, we don't need to talk about West Brom because we're not a West Brom podcast, but I don't know what's going on with that West Brom thing. It's packed full of talent, packed full of quality players. And, and that manager is just making a player a kind of agricultural football, which belongs to a different club, really, than the kind of players that West Brom have got. So I thought that was a game where we kind of brought them down to our level and played a similar game to them. And, and we, we're the ones that kind of got the relatively lucky goal. I mean, in terms of the battle, we kind of, we kind of earned it. I'm not, I'm not degrading the win, but I thought it was a pretty 50, 50 game tonight. We completely dominated a, a top 10 uh, Stoke team. Uh, we made Stoke look very ordinary. I thought Stoke did have an off night. The amount of passes that went straight out of play or went behind the goal line. Obviously their goalkeeper had a shocker in the last 15 minutes in terms of his own clearances. But that was again, the pressure that we were putting on, on their back four and, and their goalkeeper. So, but I thought we really forced Stoke into playing poorly. Whereas West Brom, I think we just kind of fought fire with fire and we got the break. So I think tonight was actually a, a more impressive performance, particularly away from home. Uh, you know, the Bet365 can be an intimidating place when those fans get going. And obviously they're enjoying having a team challenging at the right end of the table again. Um, so I thought tonight was more impressive. And I thought having energy of people like Jagielka and, and uh, maybe energy isn't the right word, but having the kind of the fresh legs of Jagielka and, and the energy of Juzak back in the team made a real difference. Um, and and we, we've talked about CKR and I put a tweet out saying, when was the last time two strikers, kind of out-and-out strikers, both scored for Derby in the same match. And actually, we think it was, I think, February, February uh, Wagon and, uh, sorry, uh, CKR and Gregory, I think, scored against Borough in February 2021. But Luke Planch, now that, that was a real striker's goal. And, and the run from Juzvac was brilliant. I think Tom Lawrence won a good battle 50-50 to get the ball to Juzvac. Juzvac ran at the defence and he, for the first, yeah, first time in a while, I think, released the ball, the right ball, perfectly weighted ball and a great run in, uh, for, into Plange's path. And Plange finished like, also like a natural striker, really naturally taken finish. And suddenly you've got two strikers now who actually look in a bit of form, CKR and Luke Plange. And that's going to be an interesting, as Ollie says, he wants to see CKR in the first 11, but can you drop Luke Plange? I mean, you, you probably can't. Can you play them together? Possibly at home, you could maybe play 4-4-2. Um, but it's great. We've suddenly got two strikers who are in a little bit of form. Hopefully Curtis Davis won't be our leading goal scorer by the end of the season. More to come from us in a second. But don't forget this season, you can get extra podcasts from us on Steve Bloomer's Washing via our Patreon service. It's our uh, little membership scheme where we'll offer you an extra podcast a month as well as uh, sign-up bonuses. We'll buy a drink, buy your drink just for joining. And uh, this month is a real treat, the bonus episode that we've done. It's an episode titled How to Be a Goalkeeper, which is uh, an in-depth chat with Rams, Estonian legend, Mark Poom, one of Derby's uh, all-time greatest goalkeepers. And as a little taster, here he is recalling his infamous debut against Manchester United in 1997. Uh, yeah, I remember. I was uh, <laughs> quite nervous. So, like, uh, it was uh, difficult to sleep. Like, you said, wow, I'm going to play tomorrow against my boyhood, my favourite club, like, you know, Man United against my idol, Peter Schmeichel, you know, Old Trafford, like, you know, was uh, well, I was nervous, I have to admit, and there was also another. I, I then uh, we went to warm up and said, "Okay, Pumi, come on, focus, enjoy. You know, you, you're gonna play against Man United, like you know." And I remember then, okay, focus on the ball. Don't look up the stands. Just focus on the ball, like you know, <laughs> the massive old travel stand. Let's just focus and uh, you know try to be in the game and talk to the players, even if you don't know the names, like and uh, and the other thing I always. Uh, 
remember with this uh, my debut is that uh, the the story with my shirt like uh, goalkeeper jersey i don't know what was the right reason but they didn't even uh, i was so new player that they didn't even have uh, like uh, jersey or shirt for goalkeeper shirt for me uh, and so gordon gordon Guthrie, the kitman had to take russell holds one shirt to go to that, that was, I've been told that they had to go actually on the match day to went to this uh, Man United uh, uh, store and they had to like cover Russell Holt's name with this cloth, like material and put my name and number on his shirt. So I still got the shirt, like, which, like memorable, memorable, memorable. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, that uh, I had like a special shirt made, but uh, I had to, for that game. So yeah, that was Mark Poom over on our Patreon service. So head over to patreon.com forward slash Steve Bloomers washing to to join up and help support the podcast going forward. But uh, you can also support us by following us on social at Steve Bloomer Pod on Facebook and Twitter as well. Hi there, we county fans. I'm Branko Struper and you are listening to Steve Bloomers washing. So it's all going perfectly well in the last three games on the pitch. But as ever with Derby County, it's far from simple. And uh, there was another twist in the long-running, draining ownership issue uh, just before Christmas when uh, Chris Kirchner, the US businessman who had gone very public with his interest in Derby County, walked away from uh, from the club and removed his takeover bid as ever with Kirchner, a lot of it was done on Twitter, quite a lengthy thread explaining his, his reason for it. He said, uh, two weeks ago, I made a formal offer to buy the club. I believe I presented a very detailed, generous and ambitious long-term sustainable business plan. It included purchasing the stadium, future funding and maintaining the academy status. We improved the offer. I wanted to agree a deal I thought was in the best interest of all parties, but unfortunately... The last 24 hours has proven that just isn't possible. So it's with deep regret I must now stand aside and let the administrators pursue their own course. I'm leaving out the, the tweet you posted, Ollie, where he referred to our inglorious former owner as uh, some as a word which isn't quite fitting for a family football podcast. Um, but <laughs> look, no one's denying that Derby County are in an extremely perilous, almost life and death situation right now. But do you think... Could we have really trusted the ownership of our club to someone who who spoke about Mel, Mor- Mel Morris in those terms, even if it was true, when he still when he does still have to deal with him? Um, did did he, did he seem naive to you, Kirchner? What was your take on it in general? Well, I mean, he was only 34 years of age, um, I, I believe, something like that. Sorry, 30, 34 is a great age, just FYI. 34 is a f- fabulous <laughs> age, you know, but don't get me wrong. But I just think that he, he didn't have any experience. And I think... He, his, him coming in afresh to English football, I think at this point in our history, I think would have been a colossal roll of the dice. Because if he, if he came in and it turned out that he was kind of one of these guys who's more in it for the status and the ego and, and boosted his own profile than the long-term good. If he was a guy who came in wanting, I mean, he's obviously, like, as you said, he, he, he conducted the whole thing via Twitter. He's very public the whole time. Whereas the other bidders have been very, very much in the background, just get, hopefully just getting on with it. And that's what should be happening. Obviously people, fans love it when people like, sorry, Darren McCantity or someone like that engages with them on Twitter, but he's a kind of exception that proves the rule that really football 
club owners shouldn't be anywhere near Twitter because there's so, you know, what what have they, what have they got to gain from, you know, basically having the entire fan base shouting at them all the time? Nothing. That way madness lies. So actually I just, I was never really convinced by him. And what I would say is that obviously he's, he's come out and said all this stuff about his beard and how great it was. Well, if the administrators weren't prepared to make him the preferred bidder, then you'd like to think that was because they've got something better lined up. So obviously we we need to hear something sooner rather than later. We really do, because it's not dragged on that long, but obviously the administrators made it out as if they'd have it all dusted by Christmas and that's not happened. So I don't, I, when Kirchner pulled out, I wasn't particularly bothered. I wasn't at all sold on Kirchner, but we do need one of the other potential bidders to come through and step up and, and, and we need to get it done as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Ollie on that. I mean, even if you take away uh, the Twitter shenanigans, then actually the, the only reason he's walked away is he's obviously been told that he needs to up his bid further because there's other bids which are better than his. If, if he was the only option for the administrators, they wouldn't have let him walk away. If he was our only option to save the club, obviously I'd welcome him with open arms, but I, I do trust the administrators to the extent that their only way out of this is to get a bidder for Derby, to get a successful buy for Derby County. So they obviously think they've got better irons in the fire. Maybe they've got more than one better iron in the fire. They've obviously certainly got at least one uh, of those. And it looks like, according to kind of hints from, um, I think, Simon Stone at BBC Sport, that's going to be Andy Appleby's consortium. Then let's hope it gets done. As, as we said in the first half of the pod, Obviously, the sooner the better, because it might give us. Yeah, we've we've got half a chance, I think, now to make a go of of staying up. And, but we really need to get an owner owner sorted and a preferred bidder formalised uh, in time for kind of the the business end of the January transfer window, at least, so we can extend contracts and, and keep players. I think in in Andy Appleby and some people have mentioned Peter Gadsby having a, another consortium. I think they are at the very least, decent stop gaps to stabilise the club before another chapter beginning. And uh, on the more ambitious end, get us back into championship and, and, and charging towards the top end again before I imagine selling it on to someone else who takes on, on further debt. So I think it's probably a positive development. I think it shows that things are moving. Is it frustrating it didn't happen before Christmas? Of course it is. Is it frustrating that we're on you know New Year's Eve Eve as we record this and it still hasn't happened? Of course it is. To be honest, nothing was going to happen in the last couple of days because everyone's been enjoying their Christmas. Even lawyers and uh, and consultants uh, still kind of have Christmas. So I wasn't really <laughs> expecting anything to really happen. Maybe there could be some news tomorrow, but if not, I think we'll be waiting again until until next Tuesday. I was just all I wanted to say, Adam. Really, was when you look at what Appleby did last time, and I know it wasn't thrilling. Obviously, I've literally just put a book out about that that period, but. Um, you know, it wasn't, no, it wasn't thrilling, but I think it's kind of what we need at the moment is somebody who's got the, the competence to come in and run the club effectively, professionally and within its means. That's, that's the key thing. We need to, we need stability and we need to, and it's, it could well be, a, it should be a slow build from, from here to get back to where we belong, which ultimately is the Premier League. But, you know, it's, it's God knows how long that is away now. But I think when you look at what Appleby did in his last tenure, I think we should definitely be hopeful that he can come back. And I think it, as well, I would say huge credit to him for actually wanting to come back because it's not like he's a Derby man. And he knows for a fact, you know, there's no short-term return here. It's, it's, it's a long-term fix, you know, and maybe in the end he could sell it on like he sold it on to Morris. But if he can get the club back into a, a good package and a sellable, and a, a saleable asset, then everyone's a winner. So, yeah, I really hope, you know, that Appleby, I'd be very happy to see Appleby come back and I hope that it happens and I hope that it happens quickly. 
You know, part of the issue with this takeover is the uh, outstanding compensation claims by Middlesbrough and Wickham, which have been knocking around for a few weeks now, um, but don't really seem any closer to being resolved. And the reason we mention it is because, you know, there's been a lot more said about it this uh, this week, a lot more eloquently than, uh, than than we could really. In fact, one of the best takes on it was from the uh, supporters group Rams Trust and uh, Jim Wheeler from that group who explained in length just how spurious these claims are, really. And that the bottom line being, Kutch, that in pursuing these claims against Derby, Middlesbrough and Wickham are actively contributing to our potential liquidation. Uh, Middlesbrough are claiming it over the uh, fact that we breached FFP to finish above them and them claiming from that that if we hadn't done that, they could have finished in top six, ignoring the fact that they would have still have to have won the playoffs to have claimed the, uh, the, the money for which they're trying to claim off us. And then Wickham... Uh, making a similar claim by uh, by saying that they lost out financially by being relegated last season as well. I mean, the, the the words from Jim Wheeler put it really well here, where he said the biggest concern with these claims is they're being pursued with Derby County in administration and the f- future of the club in doubt. They're actively contributing the, to the club potentially going into liquidation as no takeover can go through while these claims are outstanding. Middlesbrough and Wickham are relying on the administrators settling out of court in order to proceed with the sale and to avoid scrutiny of the claims. Yes, it's 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 messy, it's ugly, and it's pretty petty, isn't it, really, when you think about it? Yeah, I think it is. And I think it's it's more than petty. I, I don't think that I don't think it's out of a genuine want of them of them wanting Derby to go into liquidation, but I do think it is naked opportunism from uh, Steve Gibson and, and the American lawyer who runs Wickham. I don't remember his name, I don't care for it. Um, I think it's naked opportunism. I think they know they can't, I think they know they wouldn't actually win in a court of law, but they see an opportunity to squeeze a couple of million pounds in the settlement out of Derby County while they're in a very in a very, very sticky situation. Because even if the case from Derby is pretty solid, no owner would want to take on that liability of losing a court case against Millsborough or Wickham. And I, th- I think Ollie's on top of the numbers more than I am, but yeah, it could be tens of millions of pounds, I think, in the case of Millsborough. If Derby were to lose, and I think that would be unlikely. And uh, another few million pounds in the case of Wickham if, if they were to win their court case against Derby. So I think it is naked opportunities opportunism which makes it all the more worse even if their their goal isn't to to send Derby into liquidation it certainly makes it more possible and makes it much harder for Derby to exit administration and they think they can kind of take a few extra crumbs off Derby County and whoever comes in to buy the club by by trying to get settlement out of the administrators in in the short term so it's disgusting it's really it's really flipping disgusting I wish I could use another F word to describe it I think it's embarrassing from both those clubs I think it's embarrassing from their fans and not putting more pressure on their clubs and their club's owners to to stop it. Uh, if Steve Gibson and, and Wickham Wanderers want Derby to go out of business, and then they're definitely helping that to happen. So I think it was it was great from uh, Jim Wheeler to, to put that out there. And uh, there needs to be more pressure from the EFL. The EFL obviously putting their heads in the sand. They want to say it's between the two clubs. They're quite happy, I think, that, that these two clubs are taking action against Derby rather than against the EFL themselves, where arguably they might have more of a case. And... Yeah, I think it's embarrassing the media hasn't been, more the media hasn't been kind of taking up this this story because they are two people who are trying to, it looks like, are helping Derby into uh, into death. Well, I'm not just saying this, but I do genuinely feel that if this was Derby and it was the other way around, pursuing million pound legal actions and compensation for things that happened up to two years ago against a club who were in 
an incredibly bad situation, I would feel a bit ashamed and a bit embarrassed. Yeah. And that's not just because because we're on the end of this. Yeah. I, I, I would just feel it's 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 happened. Get over it. Like Wickham only got promoted in the first place on points per game when the season was cut short. And Middlesbrough would have still have to have won the playoffs. Like there's there's all manner of ifs and buts, and it would set an incredible legal precedent if this was entertained in any way, wouldn't it? Well, I think so. Yeah, I think I thought what Critch said was was on the money on a lot of points, really, and and and, and your follow up spot on as well. I was actually thinking about and uh, if this would contain a lot of what you guys have said, but I, I'll, I'll, your listeners will tell me if this is a good idea or not. But I was actually considering writing an open letter to fans of Wickham and Middlesbrough to ask them, are they comfortable with what their chairman are doing in their name? Because Kuhig, Rob Kuhig is, or Cowhig, I don't know, one of the two, Rob Kuhig, let's say that, has been kind of, you know, saying this is for my fans. You know, he, he said, you know, uh, okay, the Derby fans got jammed, but I don't care about them. I care about my fans. It's a bit to paraphrase what he said, basically. So I would just like be, I'd be curious to know how happy, you know, the Wick and Wanderers Trust are that this is happening on in, on, in their name and how, how happy Borough fans are that, that these 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 chairmen are basically making these decisions, which which, as you say, could hasten our liquidation. And I think I I've, like I say I've I've put something together and I'm considering it carefully because I think to put it out there, you've got to get it right. You've got to get the tone right. You don't want to be too hectoring. You you know, ultimately we have to be we have to be honest and say, look, Derby County under the previous regime was run in a in a way which wasn't which wasn't right. And so, but the difference is clearly we are being punished. We are being punished. The punishment and the punishment kind of, the punishment has lasted a very long time before it's actually come to fruition. But we are now being punished for what what was done that was incorrect. And now these guys are kind of adding to that with these, well, if if what I've heard is right, it's multi-billion pound claims, um, which as as you say, which 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 could kill us. And, and so... I, I hope that if there is a, a letter comes forward from me, I hope that it will be something that you know your listeners can support. Um, if you, if anybody's got any thoughts about what should go in there, please let me know, and I will think about it and take any feedback on board uh, before putting it out there. But as you say, you know, for me, it's it's about do Wickham and Borough fans feel happy? Would they be happy if Derby County died as a result of what their chairman did? And as I think any real football fan would say no. And as you say, if this was Derby County and we were doing it to any other club and they were in genuine fear of liquidation, any real football fan of any club can talk to any real football fan of any other club, regardless of partisan sort of petty robbery, because we all understand what it means to be a real football fan and to really love your club. And so the idea of a club, any club going out of business, any professional football club going out of business is, is terrible. You know, and you look at Berry went out of business and it was awful, you know, and you feel for those people who you know will have been severely personally impacted and really suffered as a result of losing their, you know, beloved club. So I think any fan of, of those two clubs should look at themselves in the mirror and say, if this was, a, the boot was on the other foot, how would we feel? We'll have to see what happens in 2022, but I'd certainly support that letter and I'm sure our listeners will back calls for reasonable thoughts into this issue. So uh, yeah, do get in touch if you have any suggestions on what that should say. But look, boys, onward, Reading away on the third. That is the big one. Just quickly before we go, 
how do you see it going? Do you have hope now? Can we, we couldn't do four in a row, could we? Surely. Well, if we do, if we do do four in a row, with that, I, def, I think you heard in the first half of tonight, Chris. I do actually now have hope, which is even is mental to say it because I was very, very definitive a few weeks ago that there is zero hope. I was originally going to Reading. Uh, then due to various uh, friends, because I'm fr- as, as you know, I'm, I'm from Reading. It's normally a big away day for me with some friends who are Reading fans and a bunch of them have got COVID. And so we weren't going to go to Reading. And then Tom uh, from the pod uh, texts us earlier saying, I might go to Reading. And I've been texting tonight saying, okay, are we going to go to Reading? <laughs> so I'm suddenly now thinking about going to Reading away again, um, if we can get a couple of people together. Yeah, I think if we beat Reading, there is actually genuine hope. Um, because as I said earlier, suddenly you've got to be 12 points better than Reading between now and the end of the season. And that suddenly becomes nine, which is obviously three points less if, if you're good at maths. So yeah, I think, I think there is hope, but as we said all the way through this pod, a lot of things have to come together, but on the pitch, the players could not be, and the coaching staff, including Wayne Rooney, of course, could not be doing anything more to give us that hope. Ollie, it's been, uh, it's been good to have, great to have you on again. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> first time you're on, we're at uh, you know we're at the bottom of the barrel stuff, and tonight it's 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 after an absolutely epic yeah. away win. So it's been from one extreme to the other, hasn't it? It's been hilarious. But look, we're happy to have you on in the future, and maybe uh, hopefully we'll continue the trend. And next time you're on, it will be after another similarly stunning victory. What do you reckon? Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, thinking back to that pod, I mean, I really enjoyed doing it, but it was a really really tough time, and we were kind of almost like doing a rallying call for you know the future of our club and. And and but ultimately we, we, we're fighting, you know. The, 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 we'll fight to the end. And I think at the moment it's just a case of enjoy it, take it one game at a time. And I know it's a cliche, but it's true. It's like one game at a time, and that's all you can do. The next game is a massive six pointer. It really is. Um, and I think we've got a few more of those. You know, we've still got Peterborough and Barnsley and uh, one or two others, Cardiff, Hull. We've got to play all them at home. So you know there's some points you could pick up on them and, and, and yeah, just, but ultimately I think if you know what it's like though, I mean, we've all, we've all been through seasons where we've gone, Oh, if we just won that game or we just, if we just not consider that last bit equaliser, we would have made the play or so, you know, whatever it is. So yeah, it's, it's a long, long road. So, but let's just try and enjoy it. And it's, it's, you know, let's, let's just try and enjoy every single home game, have fun and just not, not worry too much and not get too ahead of ourselves because although three games in a row is great, it's, it's, it's only a start. Just, just very quickly, Chris, Ollie mentioned there we'll fight to the end and that just reminded me of just how absolutely epic the Derby County fans sounded in that away and tonight. Uh, as you said at the start of the pod, best part of 3,000 and we were lucky enough to be able to watch it on Rams TV and, and you could hear them throughout the whole game and um, yeah, it made me really gutted that I hadn't, we've, we've done a lot of Christmas trips over the years, Chris, uh, in recent years, particularly under Philip Cocker and Frank Lampard and it made me really gutted that I, I didn't make the trip up to Stoke tonight because it sounded like an absolutely fantastic away end and that's another reason why I'm starting to think increasingly I'll be going to Reading away on, on Monday. So yeah, full credit to all those Derby fans that made the trip. I'll wait for your uh, ultimately disappointing trip to Reading. Um, it's, uh... <laughs> there's, been, there's, been, there's been a lot of those over the years. Yeah, so many that it's almost not disappointing anymore. But well, we'll be back in the new year. Thanks ever so much for uh, putting up with us in 2021 and in years previous, it has to be said. Um, we'll, we'll return in early January. But uh, Richard, thank you very much. Enjoy your New Year's Eve. Yes, yes, you too. Thank you very much. Ollie, thanks for coming. See you next year. Cheers, lads. Happy New Year, everyone. See you again soon. 